I took on this mantra of fall seven times, stand up eight. And that kept me going because anytime I would like hit another low spot, I would say, no, this is not who I am. I'm not that type of person. I'm not destroys things. I know what my inner nature is and I am a good person. And that would keep pulling me back. Try to do the right thing for myself and for my family. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey there, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. You know, it means so much to me, so thank you so, so much. Now, if you're an author or podcaster like me, then you know how important but challenging it can be to get reviews and promote our books and shows. And because of this, I've developed a platform called Review Karma to solve this exact problem. So check it out. You can get all the details and sign up for a free trial at getreviewkarma.com. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Linda Green, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you today about your book, Solving the Post-Traumatic Stress Brain Injury Puzzle. A first responder's GPS. Thanks again, Linda, for joining me on the show. No, thank you. It's, uh, I'm uh, honored to be allowed on your podcast. It's a great opportunity, and uh, having the opportunity to talk about my story a little bit and and share my author journey is going to be awesome. Awesome. Thanks again, and yeah, looking forward to hearing all about it. Before we dive into your book, Linda, I was just hoping you might just tell us a little bit more about yourself and and what you've got going on right now. Uh, sure. Uh, I used to be a career firefighter, and I did that for 32 years working for CAL FIRE, which is the state's um, fire department. And from there, I uh, retired and finally had time to write this book, and it was the right time to write it, too. Nowadays, I, I'm a life coach. I'm a certified high-performance coach, and so I use a lot of my coaching skills that I've learned to help other people who have battled post-traumatic stress. And it's really opened me to meeting so many wonderful people from around the world. You know, I never would have thought that would have been possible, you know, living in a small town, but I have friends now in Switzerland and <laughs> Canada, Mexico. It's just been a great opportunity to uh, learn and grow. And I can't, uh, as much as the post-traumatic stress was a hard thing to go through, it actually opened doors for me that I never thought possible. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, I've been married for 30, 33 years next month. And uh, where we live, it's a very beautiful country. You know, I like kayaking and playing with my dogs, trying to get my vegetable garden going. Uh, <laughs> it's a race between me and the bugs right now. And uh, I enjoy watercolor painting. I just started doing that about a year ago. And I'm really pleased with my progress on that too. So <laughs> that's me in a nutshell. Wonderful. Wow. Sounds like, yeah, it's interesting how the things in our life, sometimes those things at the time may be bad things and they end up turning into some of the best things. So that's, that's great. I'm, I'm interested to hear more about your story. And uh, yeah, I love that. Like we were talking about earlier uh, before the show, that, that beautiful part of Northern California. It's uh, yeah, it's just a great place. It has a special place in my heart as well. Uh, well, let's dive into your book, Linda, if you don't mind, uh, just giving us what inspired you to write your book and maybe that high-level overview a bit about the title. Uh, sure. 
what motivated me to write the book at two o'clock in the morning, September 16th, 2015, there was this little fire where I live called the Valley Fire. And I happened to be the incident commander that night and standing on the front tarmac of the fire station in Middletown, watching the fire coming into town. And, and I just had this thought that there's a story to be told here. There's a book, there's a movie. <laughs> and then I just caught myself. This is a kind of stupid thing to be thinking about right now. Stay focused on, on the business at hand. And a few days later, a, a friend approached me with an idea for a book. So to me, it was obvious the universe was telling me I needed to write a book. And the original intent behind the book was to chronicle what happened that night. And I actually started working on that. and pretty much had that first section done just a couple of weeks before I was finally diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. Obviously, I had to you know, put the project off to the side for a couple of years because I just had to focus on me and, and my healing process. But eventually, it got to the point where I needed to write the book. And a year ago, it became pretty much a call from the universe that I must write the book and quit doing anything else until you get this book written. Mm -hmm. So I went back to it. And by then I had a different story to tell. So I still tell the story of the fire the first few hours because that's part of my story and how I got here. But then the rest of the, of the book, a lot of it is copies of my journal that I was keeping at the time. And I'm not a journaler. I haven't been, I don't have like 30 years of journals collecting dust anywhere, but <laughs> I had started a journal as a gratitude practice early in 2016. And I can go back through those journals and to this day, see where there were these little blips of negativity coming into my entries and they became more and more frequent and more and more very direct uh, mm. with negativity. So I included a lot of my journal entries in the book to document what it looks like in real time, what somebody's thinking when they have post-traumatic stress. I also talk about uh, stigma in the book uh, because I suffered from that a little bit from work. And, you know, I throw out some of the more current research as of a year ago, what they've been able to find and will take to move PTS from a, a more subjective diagnosis based on, you know, how somebody's reporting their symptoms versus there's actually blood markers that will move it into an objective diagnosis. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And then, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a certified life coach now, so I take some of my coaching uh, knowledge and combined with my knowledge of what it is to live with P PTS and there's a whole section on some self-coaching journaling exercises for people who are struggling a little bit just to give them some guidelines and some direction and basically set up some guide guardrails so they don't totally crash burn while they're going through it. And uh, that's kind of the story of the book. Yeah, once I sat down and really started working on it, it only took me about another four months to get it done, but it became a... Uh, in its own way, more of a, of a spiritual practice. You know, it's like I had to write the book. <laughs> if I didn't write the book, you know, my inner voice is telling me, no, go write the book. Uh, yeah. Well, that's wonderful that yeah. you listened to that and, and made it happen. I mean, I think we can sometimes forego or forget that, that inner voice sometimes and not necessarily respond. So 
it's great that you were able to put it into to words and, and put it out there. I wondered if you might share a little bit about the story, I guess, if you don't mind. Not at all. You, know, the, you mentioned the fire and, and just wondering like what really happened there and I guess, what did you experience? I was actually symptomatic within an hour of arriving on the fire. Just as I arrived, uh, the Valley Fire eventually burned 70,000 acres and destroyed parts of Cobb and Middletown and Hidden Valley Estates in Southern Lake County. And I arrived about an hour after the fire started, just in time to be advised of a May Day situation involving some of our firefighters. They were caught up in a burnover situation on the fire, and they ended up having uh, various levels of burn injuries. I went to check on them after they had been uh, rescued from their situation. Three of the firefighters had like second degree burns, Mm. but that was still a weird situation to walk into. It was like the surreal movie scene. Everything was in slow motion, and it's like I was thinking of Apocalypse Now, that movie. It's us walking Mm. through to check on everybody. Uh, the one firefighter who had the most severe burns was a captain I had worked with for 20 years. And I know at that moment, that's when the seed of my post-traumatic stress was planted because he had uh, very, very serious uh, burns. Yeah, so like within an hour, it's like I would have these uh, gates slamming shut in my head hmm. as I was trying to block that out of my uh, memory. Within a few days, you know, the insomnia was there. I started having nightmares within a couple weeks. Mm. I finally went to see my doctor six weeks later because even after taking a week's vacation, I had not been able to recalibrate my sleep back to a normal sleep pattern. And I was really concerned that the level of the insomnia I was having, and everybody goes through a patch insomnia every now and then, but this was like two to three hours of sleep a night. Wow. And with nightmares, (laughs) maybe once every seven to 10 days, I would get six hours of sleep just because I was so physically exhausted. And I knew I couldn't keep doing that. Uh, So I went to my doctor to get some sleep medicine. And she wanted to put me on anti-anxiety meds at the time. And I said, no. But she referred me to a therapist. And I'm glad that she did because it put me on a path of recovery even months before I was finally diagnosed. Because there's um, several symptoms, clusters of symptoms that basically have to check the box on in order to get a diagnosis. And I was missing a few key symptoms that didn't get me to having that diagnosis until um, the following June when I started being paranoid at work and I had a startle response, things like that. So, So I was taking the sleep medicine. But as spring approached in the upcoming fire season, I quit using the sleep medicine just because it was getting into our peak season again. And the insomnia returned and the nightmares started coming back. And I'll be honest, at that time, I started drinking more with my job. I was an assistant chief with CAL FIRE. So pretty much as soon as I got home, I was off duty. And I would have a pretty stiff rum and coke in my hand Mm. within like five minutes at the most. And uh, it got to the point by June, I didn't care about what I was doing. I would be drinking till like 10 o'clock at night and go take a sleeping pill, even though deep inside I knew that was a stupid thing to do, mixing alcohol with a narcotic, basically. And, uh, but I didn't care because I was in so much pain. So when I finally got diagnosed on the 5th of July, 
I was grateful for the diagnosis because I mean, I wasn't going crazy mm-hmm. and my therapist challenged my uh, alcohol use. And of course I said, well, I'm not an alcoholic. And, but it made me mad enough that I quit drinking that day and I haven't had a drink since wow. uh, because I knew that drinking wouldn't help my recovery any. And so I quit drinking just to help my brain heal, but it's a way of life now. And, uh, and because I did that, I took on this mantra of fall seven times, stand up eight. And that kept me going because anytime I would like hit another low spot, I would say, no, this is not who I am. I'm not that type of person. I'm not who destroys things. I know what my inner nature is and I am a good person. And that would keep pulling me back to try and try to do the right thing for myself and for my family. But it's like there are some weeks I had to look at that all day, every day to get through the worst part of it. Mm. So it's been quite a journey to get back here. Lots of ups and downs, and a lot of that's chronicled in the book. Yeah. And now I'm just on this mission to talk about post-traumatic stress that, yes, you can get better when you do the work and keep inspiring people and, and providing a little bit of hope for people who are really struggling so that they will willingly engage with their own recovery process. Wonderful. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that incredible story. Thank you so much, Linda. You're welcome. I wondered if you might highlight a few things in your book or, you know, one or two things if if the listeners who have maybe experienced what, you know, something similar to what you've gone through and and I guess what do you encourage your clients or when you coach? Is there some one thing like they could take away today that you would say would be most helpful for them in if they were, you know, if they needed help in this sort of thing? I would say... First of all, if you're struggling, build a support team to help you. This is not a journey best taken as a solo quest. And it doesn't need to be 20 people. It can be four or five people that you trust and that you can talk with. My own tribe, as I called it, uh, was actually not my normal circle of friends and family. You know, I knew somebody who had 20 years of sobriety, and that was the first person I reached out to, but also I knew he had battled post-traumatic stress himself. So he became part of my support network. A couple other people like that. You know, I eventually ended up going to AA to help with the alcoholism part of it. And that became my go-to on any given day. If I felt like I was really struggling, I would just go sit in a meeting because at least I wasn't isolating that way. It would get me out of the house at least once a day. and be around people who were also struggling with their own form of recovery. And I found it very uh, enlightening sometimes to hear other people's stories of struggle and know that I wasn't alone in how I was feeling. For me, that was a key part, especially early on with were those type of meetings or meeting a friend for coffee. You know, like I said, it only takes like four or five people to have that type of support. And it's not to ignore everybody else in, in your life, although that's really easy to do. Isolation becomes a critical element of of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress because everything becomes like this trigger. And until you figure out what your triggers are, it's very unsettling to live that way. But uh, first thing first is is build a support network and look outside of your current circle of friends because the right people will show up if you're open to it. There's that. For me, journaling really helped because instead of taking my anger out and I had an explosive, incredible hope type anger sometimes. And instead of taking it out of my family, I just grab a, a journal 
and just start writing until that negative energy dissipated. And it actually helped me figure out some things about why I was feeling or thinking a certain way. Because I could go back a couple of days later when I was in a little calmer state and look at that as, oh, I really don't have any control over that. So I can let that go for now and just bring it back to the things I do actually have control over, which is what I think, how I, what I believe and how I act. So I really simplified my life and I cut out a lot of things that I didn't need to be involved with because it's really easy to get overwhelmed when you have post-traumatic stress as well. So it's okay to let a few things go. Yeah. That's another thing I would offer to the listeners is it's okay to pull back from some of the things that you're doing because your energy level is, you know, really impacted when you're not sleeping well and you're dragging during the day, you know, maybe you only have enough energy, you know, to have breakfast and that's okay. Make sure you have breakfast, but you end up doing things like taking naps more often and uh, just trying to keep your energy levels up. I know one time I had to, I was invited to my niece's house for Thanksgiving and I just didn't have the energy that week. She had two young boys and said, no, I can't do that. But I made a promise to her I would show up for Christmas. And I did um, because I knew I was going and I would have time to rest more. And uh, so it's one of those things, making a conscious effort to maintain your family connections as well. And I know that can be hard sometimes, but even if you just cut your you know, visits by a third and just think of it as an energy management system and not as I don't love you anymore, but you're just trying to manage your energy levels a little bit better so you can do the things you need to do. That was one of the things I had to do. And certainly having a gratitude practice of some type helps because your brain is uh, focused on the negative so much. You need to be very conscious and intentional about bringing and recognizing the good in the world. Um, it got to a point I would basically go on a gratitude hunt. You know, I had to actually get mad at myself because I wasn't even going out for a walk. And uh, so I would go for a walk purposely looking for something I could be happy about. And I was happy if I saw a squirrel or a bird <laughs> or, you know, witnessing somebody doing a random act of kindness. That's kind of what I was looking for. But, uh, you know, it's being very purposeful in what you allow in that way. So I know a lot of people, they'll watch like, you know, real negative things on YouTube or on TV, or they uh, listen to, uh, you know, certain songs. And, you know, that's fine and dandy in limited time. But the more intentional you are about bringing positive things into your life, that helps offset the negative and helps remind you, too, that the world is essentially good people are essentially good and we need that reminder. So it's those type of things to do and all that's free. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wow. Thank you yeah. so much for those amazing yeah. tips. I mean, regardless of having PTS, it sounds like uh, yeah, these are just wonderful practices that, that can be taken on and, and helping anyone's life. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Totally. All right. Well, thank you again, Linda, for sharing your book, your story. It's uh, quite incredible. And it sounds like you're helping quite a few people. I wondered if we might dive into other people's books and if you could share any that have really helped you along your journey and uh, any that stand out, Linda. Uh, one in particular, and that's called The Book of Joy. And it's a basically dialogue between the Dalai Lama 
and Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu, who certainly are two definitely suffered throughout their lives, whether it's from exile with the Dalai Lama or Archbishop Tutu dealing with apartheid in South Africa. And they met one year, finally, they've been trying to have this interview between the two of them for a couple of years, and they finally had the opportunity to meet up. And it was a dialogue about what joy is, what joy isn't, how to have joy, how to find joy, even in difficult times. And I just felt it was a, a wonderful story of basically the human potential. Mm. And I had listened to it actually as an audible book and actually got to hear them talk back and forth and joke back and forth. And uh, it, was, it was just such an enlightening book. It is my number one book I recommend to anybody who's going through a difficult time or who's trying to figure out how, how do you find joy when, when the world's falling down around you? Because they do get into that and they offer uh, tips on how to meditate or different things you can do to help break out of a rut that you may be in. So that's my number one book I recommend to anybody is it, that one. It's called The Book of Joy, and it's a true delight to, uh, to thumb through. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for that recommendation. And yeah, wondered if you also might share a favorite quote. I know you mentioned one earlier. I really loved it. Uh, any others that inspire you often, Linda? The other one is, and I tell myself this often, I am enough. Love it. It's that, yeah, it's that yeah. simple. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. A good reminder for us all. I think we, we're always seeming to strive for, for more in our lives when a lot of times using that quote might really help us to maybe live in that moment and joy, right? Absolutely. Let's just dive quickly into the book writing process. Wondered if you might share your journey. You've talked a bit about, you know, writing a bit and then, you know, going through an, a healing process, picking up where, you know, picking up from there and, and getting that calling to finish your book. I wonder if you might just talk a little bit more about that. Maybe just what has helped you in the book writing process, things that maybe you wish you would have known before you started that you know now. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes ignorance is, is the best way to go about writing a book. <laughs> uh, what you don't know won't hurt you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, this is true. So one of the things that really helped me attended a conference oh, probably three years ago, and, and I met this woman who had just released her own book about gratitude, which is why I keep circling back to gratitude. And she had had to take a year off from work uh, to take care of her mother, but she kept a gratitude journal throughout that uh, year that she was doing so, and she published it. But she had, she was in the process of turning her business from, she used to be a publicist for theater arts up in Montreal, Canada, and she was turning to helping other independent writers getting their stories out. And uh, we became friends over the years and kept in touch. And I finally reached out to, now is the time to write this book. And so she became my, my support system for writing the book because she knew and she knows to this day what the process is, how to go about it. Yeah. And she just kept encouraging me to sit down and write. And uh, it's like I would write like two days in a row, then I would take a day off. Then I would sit down and write for another two days. In order to keep myself fresh, I actually set work limits as far as time. I would go for about an hour 
get up, stretch, drink water, go outside, play with the dogs, then go back and work for another hour. And I would do that for three or four hours a day. Um, but I still kept taking breaks, especially when I was uh, transcribing all my old journal notes and mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, yeah, that still has a little bit of power over me, which was good to know because then I could go work on therapy. But by the time I went through like five edits on the book, it's like, okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> Moving on. So I was working with, uh, with Carolyn Flower is her name. I was working with her. She got me connected with an editor. So I was working with the editor and we did about three run throughs with that. Carolyn also connected me with a cover artist and he also did the interior work on the book. And the man is absolutely genius with that cover design and the interior artistry. I'll call it artistry. They're illustrations, but it's an art form. And then we, uh, we went through Kindle Direct Publishing to get the book actually into a, a system that could dis- distribute it and, and do the pr- on-demand printing. <laughs> and, and so far, it, it's worked out fairly well that way. I'm still in touch with Carolyn. I'm actually, I've outlined a you know, workbook now as a companion piece to that. Uh, later this year, we'll get it into a Kindle version and probably early next year, do an audible version of the book. And uh, right now it's just, the process was basically on any given writing day, have breakfast, drink my coffee, walk into the back bedroom, which I had set up as an office, close the door so the dogs wouldn't disturb me and uh, sit down and write. Um, It helped for me to have music in the background. A certain type of music helps me focus. And, uh, and I can't recommend that enough. So I listened to a lot of Aretha Franklin, rhythm and blues, jazz, because that just got me into the zone for writing. Not so much other type of music. Like if I was playing instrumentals in the background, I knew the words to the song. I would start singing the song yeah. in my brain. My brain. So, too. <laughs> yeah. So, so I went with like jazz just because it doesn't do that for me. And uh, that helped me do a lot of the writing. And sometimes I would get so much into the zone, it's like I would finally come up for air, like, oh, it's two hours later. <laughs> <laughs> or my husband would walk in to hand me dinner because I lose track of the time. But that's basically the process. You have to be dedicated. You have to basically block out time and stick to it. And it doesn't matter you know, if it takes a month or two months or whatever, as long as you stay true to your schedule. In a way, it starts building its own momentum it may seem like you can't get the word count up or anything but you just keep plugging away next thing you know you have 50 60 thousand words and now you have a good foundation for a book you know it just doesn't take that long wonderful awesome well that's super encouraging hopefully the listeners yeah. uh, who haven't written a book uh, are inspired or encouraged in that because i I think you nailed a lot of great points there and in, in that consistency and then you add someone that that supported you and I think that support sounded like it was critical to your your confidence and your your consistency to oh yeah yeah on. and because that that was my first major thing after my diagnosis you know I retired six months after I was diagnosed and basically I had spent all of 2017 just working on my recovery and in 2018 when I started getting more focused on writing the book and into 2019, it was, I'll be honest, it was kind of scary doing it because I had A, never written a book before and B, 
trying to regain any level of confidence around uh, being able to accomplish anything was huge. Yeah. And I can't tell you how much of a boost my confidence got when I finally hit that submit button <laughs> on the Kindle Direct page. Okay, you can go live with it now. Click. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> quite an accomplishment. Well, congrats on yeah. it. It's just quite an accomplishment. I guess from my own personal experience, I feel like that was a big deal for me as well. And um, Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Linda, and hearing all about you and your story. And I know you're you're helping so many others and, and you will continue to do so. And I hope you, I'm sure you've got some more books in you. I wonder if you just might share, I guess, anything else that you'd like to share uh, with the listeners today, feel free to do so and, and make sure that they know where to connect with you online. Uh, final words of wisdom. If, if you feel you have a story in you, go ahead and write it. Some parts I actually, I couldn't figure out how to write it. And I just spoke into a digital recorder and worked out a few things and then I could go back and work through a section. So if you have a story in you, go ahead and write it because you never know who you might be helping and stuff like that. So uh, there's that. And you can find me at uh, www.encouragegreen.com. That's all one word. If you want to learn more about my book, uh, there's a, a tab on the homepage. I'll take you to the book. And, uh, talks a little bit more about why I wrote the book and, and things like that. A little more background on the underlying story. You can also find me on Instagram at PTSD Puzzle. And I'm also on Twitter at PTSD Puzzle. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, I definitely encourage your listeners to go check Linda out in her book. Um, and thanks again for being on the show. All the best, Linda. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. 